Relatively Geeky presents Doom Speak. Dr. Doom, issue 10 of 10. Welcome to the ninth self-isolated quarantined lockdown episode of Doom Speak, in which we are observing and celebrating and mourning the passing of one of the most important eras in all of comicsdom, the issuance by Marvel Comics of a title bearing the glorious name of Doctor Doom. We are looking this episode at the finale, Doctor Doom number 10. But first, a little feedback. Last episode, we did a double dipper covering both issues 8 and 9, and Ranger Gord, member in good standing of Friends of Old Doom, had some comments. So much Doom, so very much Doom. Doomtastic, the proper spelling and pronunciation of a word that has been taken in vain for 60 years. Perhaps 2021 should be a retrospective of the sextacentennial of when his doomtisness single-handedly saved the comics industry. And he can also save that failing industry known as podcasting as well, merely by speaking his name, Doomzam. Hail Doom, Gord. And it's that kind of cool, reasonable, rational thought that you can expect in every episode of Gord's new podcast, Prairie Justice, featuring the adventures of the Western hero Greg Saunders, a.k.a. the Vigilante. And if there's ever a crossover between the Vigilante and Dr. Doom, Gord, we have to cover it. (laughs) And Sir Luke Giaconetti wrote in, Professor, wanted to drop you a quick line that while I'm disheartened that Hashtag Big Comic is finding a way to end Dr. Doom's ongoing series, I am still enthused by your coverage thereof. Been a fun ride while it's lasted, and I'm curious how everything will wrap up. What with Richard stinking his big, stretchy nose into things right at the crucial moment. And it may be cliche, but I do wonder if Kang the Conqueror will fit into the finale. I have a theory on that, but let's see how it plays out. Well, Luke, you'll only have to wait a few minutes, I suppose, to see how it all plays out. Regarding the traitorous Christopher Cantwell jumping over to write Iron Man, all I can say is that if it's any consolation, he seems to think that Doctor Doom is more of a hero than he does Iron Man. Uh, Luke, doesn't everybody? (laughs) Cantwell is yet another modern writer who feels the need to restate over and over again that Tony Stark is unworthy, only marginally capable, in complete need of redemption, and requires co-stars to prop him up and show him what true heroism is all about. So it looks like Doom may have won that particular battle as well. Thanks, 
looking forward to, but still dreading, the final installment, Luke. Well, I hope that initial viewpoint turns around on you, Luke, and that Cantwell eventually treats your man as well as he has mine. I did check in to see uh, if Luke had read the King in Black one-shot that featured Cantwell writing both Doom and Iron Man, and he had not. Uh, I have, and it did serve, I think, as a transitional issue for the writer between these two titles, uh, between these two runs, and also King in Black Iron Man Doom was one of the strangest Christmas stories ever. Now, it turns out that I tweeted the announcement of last episode a week or so late. I mean, that hashtag Big Twitter delayed the release of the announcement of last episode by a week. And Chris Lydon responded that he hoped Doom wouldn't hear about this oversight. I replied that it was no big deal, seeing as Doom is a pretty kind and considerate fella. Serge Bamba figured that even with my pristine excuses, Doom would probably still consider killing me, unless he was so impressed with the tangled logic I wove in crafting my excuse for being late. Let's just say, Serge, that in my uh, professional capacity, I have heard a crafty excuse or two for someone turning in something late. Social media support for last episode came from Derek William Crabb of the Fan Holes, Manuel Carmona of Truthful Comics, Vic in Phoenix, Michael T. Geist, Robert Ludwig, the most sane man among us, Clinton from Coffee and Comics, Pat from the Longbox Crusade, Chris Willett, Ed Moore from Teal Productions, Billy D. from Into the Weird, Sean from Secret Wars and Beyond, Mike from Comics in the Golden Age, and our network, Listeners of the Year, Ruth and Darren Sutherland of the Excellent Rad Adventures Network. Thank you all for your support. Let's take a break here and brace ourselves. Because when we come back, we're going to be talking about Doctor Doom number the last. Prairie Justice, a Greg Sanders vigilante podcast. Is an exploration of the DC Comics character, the first superhero to use the name of the vigilante. First published in Action Comics 42 in September 1941, amid comics' golden age and carried as a continuous feature, during those years the vigilante was also a member of the Seven Soldiers of Victory and was one of the first DC heroes to appear on the cinema screen in his own serial. Reappearing in the Bronze Age, the vigilante had a 1970s renaissance throughout the DC Universe. Greg Saunders, the Prairie Troubadour, leads a double life as a modern country and western musician while also delivering justice throughout North America as a masked crime fighter, using the tactics and weapons of his rural Wyoming upbringing with his friends Billy Gunn and Stuff Leong, many a nefarious scheme was foiled with six guns, ingenuity, a motorcycle and a twirling lariat. Howdy, I'm Ranger Gord. Help me follow the trail of the vigilante on Podbean, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And we're back. 
Doctor Doom number 10 had a cover date of February 2021. It was released on Wednesday, December 30th, 2020, with a cover price of $3.99. The cover by Salvador La Roca shows a pretty standard, meaning awesome, figure of Doom, his arms crossed. And behind him? Well, behind him are two different scenes blended flawlessly together. On one side, we see Doom's castle standing proud, with a celebration going on, bright, smiling faces. And on the other side, we see a city in ruins, a conflagration, a disaster. And that is exactly where we are at this point of the series. We are at a crossroads. The story, Bedford Falls, was written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Salvador LaRocca. First, the recap from the first page. When Latverian missiles struck the Antlion Project facility, killing thousands and creating an expanding black hole, Doom became the prime suspect. He deduced that the nation of Simcaria framed him for the attack to usurp his rule of Latveria. After acquiring the ultimate nullifier, Doom reclaimed leadership. He then set out to seal the black hole which had already claimed the Blue Marvel. Doom's nemesis, Mr. Fantastic, unwittingly, they say, caused him to second-guess himself, leading to costly mistakes that resulted in a massive explosion. We start issue 10, on Earth, on a sunny day. Last I remember, I was on the moon. An explosion. Richard's doing. We see that Doom is lying on his back, recovering. An airship arrives. A man asks if he needs help. You're him, Doom realizes. You're me. He is, in fact, in the other world. On the other side of the singularity, the world he has seen in his dreams. And Doom has never seen anything like this world. He is given a tour of this majestic other world by none other than himself, the best possible version of Victor von Doom. He, whom we will call their Doom, and the one we all know and love, our Doom. What our Doom is seeing is Doomstadt, in all its potential, modern, pristine, technical glory. The two Dooms meet with Adam Brashear, the Blue Marvel, who was brought here as well after a desperate attempt to escape the horrors within the black hole. Brashear debriefs me on his escape and the death of this reality's Dr. Otto Octavius. It seems that in both universes, Octavius is a limited moron. They theorize that the antlion acted as a type of membrane, which led to a quantum entangling of the two realities. As we speak, our doom muses, it occurs to me, our universe is your dark mirror. We are your shadow realm, wretched and evil. You are the dream. We are the nightmare. He is assured by their doom that that 
need not be the case. Our doom is unable to comprehend the humility and selflessness that his counterpart has embraced in order to bring his world into this shining present. But he wants to learn. And their doom desperately wants to teach. Our doom even makes this confession. Yes, I suppose you are right. I am wrong. Despite the objections of their doom's wife and children, our doom is invited into his home and life, showing the the heights of happiness that are achievable once petty ideals are set aside. Our doom struggles to understand everything he is taking in, and when his other self begins to chastise doom personally, it becomes too much for our doom. I am not broken. Our doom is impressed by what has been accomplished and tells their doom that he deserves credit for that, credit that he seems unwilling to take. Cree, Skrull, Badoon, Shi'ar, we all work closely together now, sharing ideas, mutual respect, and strong pacts. Their doom shows our doom the fruits of this disarmament. Rings, books, cubes, all things that our doom recognizes as objects of immense power. But doom claims he is too tired to even be tempted. Their doom tells ours that he is so close. That means you'll be ready to forgive. Forgive whom? Our doom wants to know. Everyone, but most importantly, Richards. It sounds repugnant to our doom, but that Richards is their doom's oldest and strongest friend. Some more personal criticisms come his way from their doom, including a reference to your ridiculous armor. Ridiculous? Their doom calls it a farce, all the way down to the silly finger guns. Your entire mode of being is ludicrous. You know I am right. And all of this has pushed our doom past his breaking point. And he responds to these criticisms by blasting a hole in their doom's head with no warning. Blue Marvel is shocked, distraught by this unexpected atrocity. But don't worry, our doom isn't done yet. He is not done by a long shot. For doom had pocketed his alternate's proudly displayed ultimate nullifier. Doom, as we remember, has lost his own recently, but there doesn't seem to be much difference between the two. And with the push of a button, he unmakes the entire universe he has been thrust into. I annihilate all of it in one instant. This one universe, this hoax of an existence, this repulsive and indulgent self-portrait of weakness. I have zero pity for the nearly infinite sentient beings within it 
as I extinguish them. In this moment, I become death's greatest servant. And in the last few pages, we find Doom back on his throne, more calm and collected than ever. Now, in his mercy, to clarify, he did bring Brashear back with him, although he did make sure that the Blue Marvel dropped somewhere in the middle of a remote ocean. He orders an execution just to get back into the mode of ruling, you know? And then, on the last page, as Sir Luke Giaconetti predicted, Kang appears. I see that you are well and seated atop your throne. I thusly assume you're in good spirits. There is no good in me, Kang. There never was, and there never shall be. And then we end with a caption box with a Latin expression, roughly meaning, forever and ever. Amen. The End Wow! Just wow. I have to admit, this one lay unread for a week or so after I picked it up. And I even waited a week or two to get it out of my pull box at World's Greatest Comics. And it was a combo of just not wanting this to end, but also the fear that it might end with a whimper. But no, this went out with a bang. With a big, big bang. Cantwell touches on a lot of interesting things here. Fate or destiny or the ability to change. Human stubbornness. Fundamentally, that might be the theme of the entire series. That one simple question. Can doom change? And more broadly than that, I think he's asking, to what extent can any of us change? How far can we run from our pasts? How far can we run out of the grooves that our habits, our upbringings, our lives, our addictions, our histories, our past choices have dug for us? Can we change? And not to get too darkness to light on you here, but there is a related concept that's addressed in this issue, and it's one of Doom's breaking points. I'll be brief. Forgiving is hard. It seems nigh on impossible at times. And that's what doom succumbs to, the belief that someone is unforgivable. But forgiveness is often the first step, not to releasing the person who has harmed you, but to releasing yourself from the prison of unforgiveness. Forgiveness, both the giving and receiving of, is one of the most powerful forces in this world. And its opposite, or at least its opposing force, can be pride. And of all the things Dr. Doom is full of, pride is certainly one of them. It's a double-edged sword pride, and in Doom's case, it has led him to some remarkable achievements. But here, at the Rubicon, it let him down. And I love the concept that's brought up here, that what if we are the mirror universe? What if we're the dark reality? What if I'm the evil twin? I do have the goatee for it, just saying. 
I've heard that conversation before, sort of that the philosophy of that addressed before, but I don't know that I've seen it addressed much in fiction before. It is such a great idea. And for Doom, that was such a great moment of revelation. And among all that deep stuff, all that content, Christopher Cantwell also gives us one legitimately funny moment. I LOL'd at Doom's commentary on Doc Ock. Out loud, even. Maybe it's so funny only because of all the drama that surrounds it. The pressure relief aspect, you know? But in that context, it was hilarious. And it was very much needed. We knew from the first pages of the very first issue that this series was trying something different, that Christopher Cantwell wanted to tell a different type of Doom story. But what every writer understands when working with the intellectual property of a major international entertainment conglomerate is that you don't own these characters. They aren't yours. You need to view your run as a stewardship of the character, not a hostile takeover. As the saying goes, you can play with the toys, but when you're done, when you're off the book, you have to leave the toys in the same state in which you found them. And that's a pretty great description of what happens in these ten issues. Doom is taken for a ride. Crazy things happen in this world, and even crazier things happen in the alternate world, for as long as it existed. But with Doctor Doom 10 having ended... Everything has to be back in place, and it pretty much is. Even the Blue Marvel is back in his place. Except for being off by a few thousand miles, perhaps. But come on, that's close enough. So Doom's attempt to better himself, his desire to better himself, his goal of saving and bettering our entire world, all of that was within his grasp, so close. And the tragedy for our dimension is how close we got to living that reality. And what was it that kept Doom from turning, from taking that different path? You could blame him, of course, but that's just the surface level. You could blame his alternate self, their Doom, and that's part of it. That guy's preening did not help. But the real responsibility for not saving this world and for the complete obliteration of the other world, untold billions dead, responsibility for that lies fully and completely at the feet of the one who, the mere mention of his name, pushes down all the dominoes. Read fucking Richards. That guy just can't help his stretchy self. Can he? But that's the needed drama in fiction. We need a villain. And in these ten issues, there is only one, and his name is Richards. And you know, in a world without COVID, maybe we would have gotten another two issues, another five issues of this title. The problem with a ten-issue series is that that just might not be enough content to put into a nice hardcover, at least at a price point, profitable to the publisher. But when those two softcover collections come out, I heartily recommend them. Now, we have talked about this in prior issues, but this is not 
an action-packed, all-out melee of a fight issue. It's a lot of talky-talk, but it is substantive talky-talk. Character-revealing talky-talk. Plot-forwarding talky-talk. What Brian Michael Bendis wants to do, and sometimes actually does, Christopher Cantwell does regularly and excellently in this series. Because drama does not need action to work, does not need punching, does not need fighting, but it needs conflict. And one way of analyzing literature is to break it into the three fundamental sources of that conflict, human versus human, human versus nature, and human versus self. And over the course of the series, and often in each specific issue, we get all three of these types of conflict. Doom struggles with his international enemies, with Simkari and the UN, and with betrayers in his own circle, human versus human. And of course, we have the battle against the black hole, classic case of human versus nature. And then, especially as we move into these last few issues, the focus, the magnifying glass, is on the last of those conflicts of doom, struggling internally with these visions of a more peaceful self, a more fruitful, satisfying existence, human against self. Excellent notions upon which to hang a dramatic story. And it was delivered excellently. That's the truth of this issue, and it's the truth of this entire series. I am so glad that this turned out to be so good. And just to check my own biases, I did some poking around the internet for other reviews of this issue just to see whether I was totally out of the mainstream with how much I'm enjoying this. And no, the reviews seem to be, and have been throughout this entire run, more or less varying levels of positive. Here, as an example, are some of the comments from the issue number 10 review by Brent Jackson on the Word of the Nerd website. Yes, this is the final issue of the series, and it definitely goes out with a bang. Our Dr. Doom gets to visit this other kind-hearted Doom in his world. Will this adventure change Dr. Doom's heart? Will it grow three sizes after seeing what good he could bring to the world? Dr. Doom number 10 for me was a delightful end of the series. Christopher Cantwell catches the voice of Dr. Doom perfectly. I'm not sure if anybody else does it as well as him. If you've been following along with the series, then I think you'll be pleasantly surprised and happy with this ending. That review gave the issue a score of 8 out of 10, which is, you know, maybe a couple of points below where it deserves. Uh, but I do agree uh, with most of that. Uh, that was certainly a reasonable commentary. And uh, to continue with one thing that I've done uh, throughout the run of the Doctor Doom uh, review episodes, that uh, on these uh, podcasts, I look at the sales figures for the title. Uh, those are available at Comicron.com. The most recent figures are for November, the month of issue 8. And Doctor Doom number 8 sold a cute and trying hard 
20 to 22,000 issues, landing at 99 on the sales list. That is a decline of about 15% from the month before and a slide of 16 spots on the sales chart. And I believe that that represents the month where it was confirmed that the title was ending with 10. And this is what happens when a title reaches that point. It was much of a bummer. Um, I mean, that's, of course, if you can even believe the hashtag fake news of these hashtag big comics numbers. Well, here we are. And that does raise the question. What happens to Doomspeak when there is not another new issue of Dr. Doom about which to speak? Well, fear not, my friends of old Doom. This show will continue to be a part of the relatively geeky offering. Maybe not every month. Time will tell on that. But we will be back in March, participating in a podcast crossover event that does include major appearances and effects from our good friend, Dr. Doom. In terms of what my plans are for this particular podcast after next month, well, tune in next month, and I'll probably have a better idea of what the future will look like. If you have any feedback on this episode, this issue, or on anything related to The Good Doctor, don't hesitate to contact me. You can do that via relativelygeeky at gmail.com or as a comment on the Facebook or blog post for this episode. The blog is at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. Thanks for listening. Take care. And of course, Hail Doom. Hail, Hail, Hail Doom! Hail Doom.